our passage is Ephesians 1, beginning at verse 3. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship for Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, he praised in his glorious grace, which he has given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, and accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished upon us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the time to reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be to the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. We're God for all people. Thank you. The Apostle Paul opens up this writing to the church of Ephesus. And his focus in the beginning of this passage is, is on God. It's, it's a moving passage. It, it, uh, it's a powerful passage. And from the beginning, as we read this letter, our hearts and minds are hopefully given a new focus from what we generally look at. The mystic Evelyn Underhill, writing to the Archbishop Bishop of Canterbury in 1930, noted that the interesting thing about religion is God. Now, I want to make a couple of uh, beginning points on this. Let me ask you, is religion good or bad? Yeah, it, it's good. It has been used. But one of the things that I'm more and more aware of as I continue in ministry within the church and kind of noticed it along the way that we we're taking some, we're changing words a lot. You know, what is Sunday school is now um, uh, small groups or something, <coughs> maybe something else, but it's still Sunday school. Um, we, we like it. When I got sober, I, you know, one of the things that we had is that religion is for, for those who are afraid of going to hell, and spirituality is for those of us who have been there. You know, and it was our little twist and our little jab at religion. But what kind of religion is not the enemy? God is a part of a religion, true religion. Is it good to be pious? No. It's good to be pious, actually. <coughs> what have we done with that word? We've turned it into uh, holier than thou. But to be pious is simply to seek to be holy. But then it became something other than what the original word was, was meant to be. And so because of that, and you know, words like holiness and holy, we kind of go, I don't know, do I want to be holy? I don't know. Do I want to do that? And I would say, yes. I want to be holy. Yes. We want to seek to be pious in our life. We never want to be holy. You know this. You've been coming here. I'm never holier than thou. You know, I, I may be better, God might, Jesus might make me better than I've ever been in my life, but he doesn't make me better than anybody else, amen? Yeah. 
that, that's the deal, is that, that God in our life doesn't elevate us above human beings. And so we're going to talk about religion here. And religion is not, in and of itself, a bad thing. It's what we tend to do with it. And the interesting thing about religion being God is, is, is that it moves us away from our tendency in the church. In the church, we have this tendency to take things on and define them by us. It's called anthropomorphizing or something like that, where we make it human. So the interesting thing about religion is God, but we make religion about us. It's about my preference. It's about the way that I like uh, everything to look up here, and the altar really needs to be just so. It's, it's how I like my preacher to, to dress. And I like the message to be what I like it to be. And it's, it's about my understanding, and, and I don't like that worship style over there, so, so I want it to be a different what I want it to be. You, you catching something here? I want it to be what I want it to be. You know why we come together on Sunday morning? You know who it's about? Theoretically? That's not enough people to say that. That is not a hard question. <laughs> Who is it about when we come here on Sunday morning? Ah. It's about God. Yes, we come here to be fed so that we can get out there in the world and be the best that we can be, but we come here to worship God. That's what we come here to do. To give God, as Paul wrote, to give God the glory, not to give you the glory, not to give you the glory, it's to give God the glory. Yes, fellowship is a huge part of our walk. All of the things that we do are a huge part. But we have this tendency to make it about us. The interesting thing about religion, though, is not us. It's God. And now, I wonder what would happen if we started to begin to look at everything that we do in our life and go, is this for me? Or is this for him? When we look at our mission, Am I doing this for me? Or am I doing this for him? When we look at our Sunday morning classes, when we look at, at, at our, uh, our choir, when we look at the methods, when we look at every aspect, nurture committee, all the things that we do, our outreach efforts, all of it, is it for me because I want to feel good about what I'm doing? Or is this legitimately for him? It's a filter that I, I hope that we're consistently trying to look at our works through. Because we want to do good works, but we want to do good works for Him. To give God the glory, not to give my divine the glory, or Sam the glory. Sam just sang a beautiful song. You know who was in that song song that was to? to God. Hope you enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was to God. I'm, I'm going to try to give a message. Now you're here, but you know who I am most concerned with, believe me? God. God. Because the Randy will tell you, anytime you stand up here and you're delivering the message for the day, any other angle you've done it all the It's a great responsibility that God might somehow speak with you through me. That might somehow reach this, a group of people that's very diverse and reach people in the 
explain that they need to be reached. It's the wonder of how God can use us as people. And I've had this happen. I've had folks come up to me after service. That was a great message, and I love it when you said, and I'm going, I didn't say that. You heard that. But I didn't say that. That's the wonder of God. That's the wonder of who He is, is that He takes our efforts, He takes what we pray, and if we're willing to, to lay it down at the altar and say, This is for you, God, that He takes it and He does awesome and extraordinary things for us. A couple of weeks ago, I heard Clark give the message He gave where He talks about God takes the ordinary and makes it extraordinary. He does that always. Read the Bible because you know what you're going to find in there? He takes ordinary after ordinary after ordinary after ordinary and he makes them and the acts that they do extraordinary. That's our God. That's who he is. That's what he's about. The interesting thing about religion is God. Not us. And I hope that we continue to look at our look at this look at our work here and our and our missions here and everything that we do through that land because it can transform everything. Why are we doing this the barbecue? Why do we do the barbecue now? We, we've done a terrible job of actually relating why we do the barbecue. You know why we do the barbecue? It's not for a fellowship event. It's not just a fundraiser. It's so that we can give Murphy Harp support. It's so that we can give the United Methodist Children's Home support. It's so that we can do things in the name of Jesus. And that's partly on me because I haven't done a good enough job of pointing out this is why we do these things. It's not just, you know, hey, come and have a great chicken, chicken lunch, chicken dinner, or whatever. No. Yeah, we certainly hope it's good food. But the point is that it allows us to support the work of Jesus Christ in our community, or we ought not do it. And that barbecue supports the work of Jesus Christ. That's the focus that we can have, which Jesus has. You know, is this God's church or is this my church? Wow, wait a minute. I started mad at that. My church. No. It's not your church. God's church. God's church or our church? God's church. And He gets us with the ability to come together and be a part of a body of believers. In, in this place that, that is doing amazing things in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, do I like, do I call this place my church? And by the way, I'm not preaching against you, I'm preaching with you. This is kind of, I could be out there listening to this. And this is stuff that, you know, I make stuff about me way more than I need to. You know? I do this stuff. We all do this. This is not something that anyone in here can dodge. Everybody in here makes stuff about them in the church. We do. We like stuff to be the way we like stuff. I like stuff to be the way I like stuff. But, at the end of the day, it is not me. It is Him. It is the church. I think that would transform us in this place. It would transform the, the bigger church, for sure. If everything became about Jesus Christ and less about what I want or we want, and this opening to this letter is powerful. Very powerful. Because it focuses on God. God has blessed us in Christ. Blessed us 
in Christ. Christ came so that we might be blessed. God has chosen us in Christ. Destined us for adoption. And this is one of my favorite stories. You hear it all the time, but I'm going to keep telling it because I like it. Huh? Yeah. Can you hear me? Turn it up. Turn it up. Hang on, I'll go God gives us a gift. It's a present. And I can't not walk. Have one good check. More, more. So there's a present here. Yeah, I'll preach my So there's a present up there, and on that present it says Susan Hill. And it's your present. God gave it to you. He blessed you with this. He's given this to you. And it's sitting right here. This one right there says David Hill. And it's sitting right there. That's your present. And it stays there forever. Unless what? What do you have to do? You have to go get it. Yes. And a lot of people will. They'll, they'll come up and they'll get it. And they'll go, hey, this is a beautiful present. And they take it and they take it home and they put it in the, in the hutch or in the cubby or whatever it is. And it's a beautiful present. It sits there. And they do nothing with it. They don't open it. This great gift. They don't even open it. And with it, it's awesome. Well, it looks pretty. I'm sure God wrapped it in a really nice paper and nice bow. But they don't open it. And so this great present just sits there. They did the first step. They, they said, okay, I believe in Jesus. Not realizing that the devil believes in Jesus too. So they take the present and put it in it. It looks good and and if I show up to church and I do some things at church, then all will be well. We never open the present. Others of us, you know, Steve got his present and he took it home and he thought about putting it in the house and he said, you know what, I'll open this thing. <laughs> you know, why is so cool in it? So he opens up and the joy of the Lord enters into him and he no longer is the same. And he is transformed into a new creation. He is no longer the same. Leave the woman and open the present. Oh my gosh, it's Jesus. It's the joy and love of the Lord. And you can't keep it in. You can't contain it. You want to contain it, but you can't contain it. You don't tell people about Jesus and go, why not do that? Because you can't help The joy of the Lord comes upon us. Too many of us have seen the present and left it there. Others of us have picked up the present and taken it home and put it in the corner. We need to be open to that present and let Jesus out. Let Jesus into us and watch what he does. You will not be the same. You can't be the same. Think about this. The creator of everything that ever it was, ever will be, enters into you, into your heart. You going to be the same? No. You going to struggle with some of the same stuff? Yes. But you're not the same. Because then that set starts to go, you know, you might, you might not believe, you might not stop some of that stuff. Yeah, we've been doing it my whole life. You know, this passage says the road narrows, the longer... We're, we're, we're Christians, and part of that is that when we first get Christian, we actually look at everything we're going to have to change, we probably go, I can't do that. But God is gracious, and God works with us slowly. Mike, what about this? For me, uh, you know, I worked at oil fields, and I learned um, flower language. So if you can ask, Mike, you know that language. You might want to raise some of that. But it's okay. I mean, I, can, I, can, I don't, you know, it's just words. 
Yeah, but it's not a good witness. Okay. Mike, what about that eating stuff? And then you want to start looking at it. Well, but I'm okay. I, I carry weight really well. <laughs> I'm big bone. You know, but your body is actually the temple of the Holy Spirit. You might just, just that I love you anyway. I don't not love you. I want you to be the absolute best might divine that you can be. And so we walk this path and God slowly works with us as he draws us more and more into his life. That's who God is. That's the gift that he offers to us. It's an awesome gift. Those of you who have opened it and have, have had that joy enter into your life, I wish there were words to describe. I do my best, but there are words. I mean, it's crazy. Every time I start thinking about the God of creation listening to me, it's like, okay, I mean, I'm mad. <laughs> Make the galaxy loves my divine. What? Make everything that there is loves you and Christophe. What? Robert Russell loves you. Listen, loves you. I don't know, man. I think it's pretty cool. In the, in the passage, freely bestowed on that, uh, gives us redemption, gives us forgiveness. Paul writing to the church at Ephesus. This is 11 verses, and he says all of these things. Made known to us the mystery of his will. And I'll tell you, this, the, the place that that begins is really simple. It's love God, love your neighbor, and prove it. I mean, if you're going, I don't know what God's will is for me. Do these two things. Love God and love your neighbor. Do those two things. That's the root part. If you just work on those, God's going to you remember the path. God's going to continue to give you more opportunities as you take advantage of the ones that you have. Love God, love your neighbor, and prove it. Lavishes its grace on us, promises all things according to His divine will, and goes on. This text is an inspired hymn of praise to God. Praise to God. You know, you remember that song, he's got the whole world in his hand, he's got the whole world in his hand, he's got the whole world in his hand, he's got the whole world in his hand. He's got you to lead, but in his hand, he's got you to lead, in his hand, he's got you to lead, in his hand, he's got the whole world in his hand. You believe it? Because he's God. And trust me, the world looks like it, it has nothing to do with God right now. But God is working. We've been doing a study on Wednesday in Genesis. Look, God's been, been about this a long time. He's taking things that we do and, and making them still work into his will. He's still God. may not look like it, but he does. He's still the author behind the scenes. Changing lives and giving us different opportunities. I like that. I call it God office. It's a God opportunity. It's who He is. He has a plan for us. A plan that's rooted in John Wesley's concept of provenient grace. This is too loud. Hold it, Mike. It's too loud. 
raises an interesting uh, thing according to what we believe as Methodists. This is us as Methodists. We see grace in, in different lights. It's like if you have a prism and you shine a light through it, and, and it's over here, it'll be one cover over here, it's another. That's how we see grace in the United Methodist Church. The prevenient grace is, that's one grace, it's not a bunch of different graces, it's different looks at grace. Prevenient grace is what we call the grace that goes before. It comes from a Latin word, prevenient, which means to go before, therefore it means the grace that goes before. So in other words, from the time that you're born, until the time that you say yes to Jesus, God's grace is still here. It still surrounds you. It's still there for you. It's your grandma praying for your salvation from the time that you were, you were a little baby up until you find it. That's convenient grace. That's God working behind the scenes. It's always been there. Justification, that's this big churchy word, but justification just means you're justified. <coughs> That's the moment that we say, yes, Jesus. And then as, as we move further into our Christian walk, we have this word that's sanctified, which is where it transforms from glory to glory to glory. God continues His grace, now seeing Him over here, continues to be active in our lives, drawing us closer and closer to Him. So we are being sanctified the more and more that we follow Him as the road turns and He brings more into life. And those are a little simplistic, but that's the basics of of, of our process as Christians. Grace is always, always available to us. God is always seeking to draw you and me nearer to Him. So He is. He loves us that much. So there's God's providence, there's also God's power. God's power we, we experience as it. God's power we experience as it. And God's power makes us holy, whole, and blameless. We cannot do this in and of ourselves. We cannot be good enough. We cannot earn our way. The beauty of Christianity is that we don't go up to God. God came down to us. We find the source of that power is two simple words that have been used, but anyway, 11 times, 10 times, in these 11 verses, in Christ. In Christ. When we are in Christ, God does amazing things with that. When we live, when our life is focused on being in Him. Jesus is part of his, his whole goal while he was here. He was to honor his father. John 17.1 Jesus said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son. Not so that I can be glorified, but so that your son may glorify you. That's why we need to look at the things that we do so that we can say, am I looking to glorify me or am I looking to glorify God? Because it's not about me. It's about him. An interesting thing about religion God. Now, at the end of the letter, we read that Paul is an ambassador in chains. Paul, even though he was in prison, he was witness to his guards, witness to those, anybody who would come across him. So when we find ourselves in, in difficult circumstances, we can get strength from Paul. He didn't write these things when everything was going great. He wrote some of the things, some of the letters he wrote. He was in chains. Trying to encourage, he wrote, he wrote stuff like, like he wrote here to the church of Ephesus while he's in jail. It's crazy. I hope this didn't encourage you, I'm, you know, perfectly surrounded by guards. What if we were like that? I wish I could be like that. I don't know. I wonder if I have that in the 
is for us as purpose that we might live in the praise of his glory. Used to be at church we had did this thing called the Westminster Confession. We had asked the past the, the catechumenate, those who were going through the catechumen process, the, the process that we call confirmation. One of the questions is, what is the chief end of humanity? And the answer is, our chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. We're on this planet. To glorify God and enjoy Him, enjoy Him forever. Those things go hand in hand. So what is our purpose? Why are we here? We begin to discover answers to those when we begin to, to, to look at this, this passage of worship God. This God of Jesus, one that Paul is talking about. He gathers all things together in Christ. It has a purpose for each and every one of us. You all, each of us in this place, are a unique gifts and graces to become the, the men and women that God would have us be. The interesting thing about religion is God. Worship then is, is about gratitude, it's about grace. Six days in the world, right? We're away from this place, and, and the world tries to give us a whole different view of things. Sometimes, some of some of us, it's bottom line, we're getting that X amount of dollars. Others, it's, it's getting notoriety. It's, I gotta get this, gotta get, get some more notoriety. It's how I look, it's who I know. It's the family I grew up in. And then on the seventh day, we come and, and we connect with something greater. And then used, usually, we go back out of here and get back to world. Beats us again, tries to take us away from, from the God that we worship in this place. But as we continue on our journey, we, we begin to tell the world, no, no. The most important thing for me is God. It's not money. It's not the things that, it's not how I look. It's not any of that stuff. It's God. How do I honor God in, in, in this place? And then worship becomes less about Sunday, more about always. Because it's a 24-7 thing. Well, how can I honor God in my workplace? How can I honor God with my family? How can I honor God at school? How can I honor God whatever I'm doing? That's the, when we get to that place, God, he's got the whole world in his hand. Well, he's got us in his hand, too. And that stuff's not easy. It's easy for me to stand up here and say this. It's hard when you're out there in the world. You've got all this stuff pulling at you. I get it. It doesn't change, though, that we are on a journey and God is continuing to draw us near and near to Him. Some of in here are anxious about the future, uncertain about the journey before them, maybe apprehensive about how to move forward in, in, in a relationship or how to move forward at work or how to move forward in life in general. Those things are a natural part of life. Natural part of life. And when we connect to God, in the midst of all of those things, we can connect to God in the midst of, of a huge loss. We've lost probably one of the best children here in the last two weeks. Continue to pray for those families. And God puts one of them in your hand, give them a phone call, just to say, hey, I've been a That has to be a long conversation. They need to know that we love them all. We love you. We're glad that you're here. Some of us here have sinned. We fail. You know what? I, I might just be able to add. All of us here have sinned. We've fallen short of the mark. You know what God does with that? 
if we confess our sin, it's faithful and just to forgive us our sin, and then in there, cleanse us from all righteousness. That's who our God is. He loves you that much. He doesn't want you to walk around with all of that junk going on in your head. I wish you would have done it. Confess your sin. Let, let him have it. He went to a cross for it. Put it on the cross and leave it there. And move on. Move on. Some folks in there, they simply know that there's more to life. There's more, something in there that tells them there's more than just what's been going on. There's no reason we're here. And when we can connect with God's person, that can help us make sense of that. Paul later in Ephesians wrote this as a, as a benediction for prayer. He said, Now to God, who by the power of work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine. To God, who is the glory of the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. To who? God. To God. You know the interesting thing about religion? To God. God. And as we go from this place, I want to challenge you. Two questions. The first is, how am I helping people around me experience God? How am I helping people around me experience God? Think about that work, at school, at wherever it is. How am I helping people around me experience God? What kind of a witness am I? They look at me, who do they see? Do they see him? Or is it all <coughs> me? Have I lived out of the way enough to keep a little bit of him can shine through? Because if just a little bit can shine through, it will touch the light and heart of them. So I want you to wrestle with that. It's a tough question, it's simple, but it's a tough question. How am I helping people around me to experience God? The second is, as it depends on your answer kind of thing. If you are doing that, then how can I get better at it? I believe in intentionality, that if we're not intentional about things, they're probably not going to change. So how can I help these people who have experience God if I am, and how can I get better at it? If not, then maybe it's how can I begin? How can I begin? The answer to how can I begin is to begin where you are in your life. You don't have to become some out here thing. God will use you right where you are. If you're willing to pray for God to open up opportunities for you. Because you know what he'll do? He'll open up opportunities for you. He'll pray for the eyes to see when those opportunities come. You're going to find your God opportunities, your God ops are going to be wrong. I'm going to close with this. There's three things that you need, three people, at least, in your sphere of influence that, that you need to have. Three people. As Christians. You need to have somebody that is discipling you. Somebody that you're learning from. And you need to have somebody that you're discipling. Who's the third person? No, you missed it. You. Somebody who's discipling you, somebody, somebody that you're learning from, somebody who's learning from you. Imagine if everybody in here had just that. 
what that would do for us as a body of believers, but for the church as a whole, as we learn from others and let God use us, teach others as well. So what are the questions? Who am I? Or how am I helping people around me? Very good. Now stay with me after two minutes. <laughs> how am I helping people around me? That wasn't strong. One more time, I think you got it. Evaluate that. Look at that. And if you are, how can I get better? If you're not, where do I begin? Amen. Thank you.